Good evening. Can everyone hear me on the microphone, on the system? Joey, you good? Okay. This evening, we're going to be talking about peacemakers. Um, I um, apologize for not being able to be here this morning. Um, I had gone home for the weekend to spend time with my family, do some things that we need to do there. And then we worked all day Saturday, and I was up all night preparing the lesson, finishing it up, and didn't hit the road early enough to make it here. So I worshiped with them at Leaper's Fork uh, this morning. So I apologize, Brother Smallwood, for missing your sermon. But I've already heard that it was very touching and wonderful. So this evening we're going to be speaking of blessed are the peacemakers. Coming from Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. In that passage it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Let's, let's look at that verse just briefly. The first clause is blessed are the peacemakers. What does that word blessed mean? Have we ever thought deeply a lot of people, and even I asked my parents this morning, and they said it means happy. Um, but if you go back to the Greek, the Greek will tell you that it means God approved. God approved are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We each desire peace in our life. Uh, if we have a peaceful day, if we have a day of no stress, a day of little strife, well, preferably no strife at all, then we have had a peaceful day. Those are our goals that we set for each day, to have peace within ourselves and peace with others. But peace rarely finds us. We must go and make peace. So this evening we're going to learn to make peace among God and men. Romans 12:18 says, if, if possible, so much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So much as it depends on you, meaning... If you have anything, any control over the situation at all, don't be the one who's guilty of causing strife, of causing division, of causing grudges, or causing a lack of peace. Be at peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 simply says that Christians should live in peace with one another. In Amos chapter 3 God is actually speaking through Amos here, discussing the children of Israel. The children of Israel have, had continually sinned against God, and their iniquities had piled up high enough that God was to the point that in verse 2, right before this verse that we're going to discuss, in verse 2, God says, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And then in verse 3, God says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Will two people who do, do have strife between them or enmity between the two who do not have peace, will they walk together? Will a, will a man marry a woman if they can't have peace, if they can't make an agreement? Is there any bounds for marriage that would cause you to want to join that person? Two men cannot walk together unless they are agreed. So, if we're going to walk in peace then we need to understand peace. There's a Greek word for peace, which simply means uh, a har harmonious friendship as the noun version. It's a harmonious friendship, a state of harmony. Its verb is to bring to peace or to reconcile. Well, what does that word reconcile mean? From the Greek, that means a change on the part of one party. The verb form of that is to change from enmity to friendship. 
you can see how peace and reconciliation, if you will, go hand in hand. Colossians 1, verse 20, says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, which is Jesus, and having, or and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, to bring back all things that, have, that once were, but were removed, to bring those things back to Himself, having made peace, having created a harmonious friendship once again through the blood of His cross. You see, God is able to reconcile men back to Himself. He changes the enmity that was caused by our sins and our transgressions, which then separated us from God, and He restores those things back together. He reconciles them. He reconciles us, and He restores peace so that we may once again be in agreement with God and can walk with Him. The reason we want to walk with God is because God is peace. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, Gideon actually says as he makes an offering to God, he names that place where he made the offering, the Lord is peace. Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasseth all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, God is the basis for all peace because He is peace. At the root of all tranquility, there is God. For God is the great peacemaker. We should follow the example of God. If we are to be sons of God, children of God, then we need to do things in godly ways. And God gives us this peace. So this evening, we're going to look at 12 different ways and things that we should follow in order to be good peacemakers. Peacemakers that are worthy to be called sons of God. The first thing, a peacemaker must first be at peace with himself and God. Can someone impart peace with another person if they don't have peace within themselves? Can you bring any good to the situation if your own um, inner self that you battle with yourself is going to keep you from making pr progress with the other person. It's, it's a headache waiting to happen. So, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, we can have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we can then have peace within ourselves. So we need to lay hold of Jesus Lay hold of Jesus, be reconciled to God in the bonds of peace by accepting His offering, His sacrifice, by accepting Jesus Christ and becoming a child of God. Because you can't help anyone unless you have peace within yourself and peace with God. Number two, we must rec recognize when there is a problem. In Jeremiah 6 verse 14 uh, the verse there actually reads, They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. They stuck a band-aid on it, and they said, Oh, we have peace, peace, peace. But God says there is no peace. There was no peace to be had. Those who say in life that all is well, all is well, but really things are not well at all. Or they, you've even heard some people say, between their relationship with God, that, well, everything, me and God are good. Everything's worked out between me and God, and me and God are good. 
but are they really? Do they have peace with God? The proverb in chapter 17, verse 14, says, The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Meaning, if you look at the imagery behind me, there is a dam that is leaking water. If you know, when you go approach someone, that a certain topic or a certain subject is going to cause strife, if you, if you know what button to push, if you consider that they are a dam of water and you know the plug that you can pull to let out water, then this verse is telling you one of two things. You can interpret, interpret this verse to mean, in that situation, don't pull the plug at all. Meaning, abandon it before you ever pull the plug to not start strife. Because the beginning of strife is just letting out water. And how hard is it, once you've pulled the plug, to put the plug back in? The quarrel will break out. So you can look at it from a avoid the issue altogether to keep peace by not even starting strife. Or you can say if you've approached the situation and you find yourself in a problem already, you've missed the beginning of the problem, but at the moment that you recognize there's a problem and we're, we're already leaking water, then abandon the quarrel before it breaks out, before the water rushes through the dam and washes you away. Recognize when there is a problem. Number three, be willing to sacrifice. This one's very simple and straightforward. If we are unwilling to sacrifice as Christians with our fellow brethren, is there any means necessary by which we can make progress? If we're unwilling to sacrifice, if we're immovable. Regarding Jesus... He regained peace with man, and we see this in Romans 5.8, which says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice. Be willing <clears throat> to sacrifice. Walk in love. What, what an idea that is, that we can love one another. How much peace can we have if we simply love one another? Peace comes through the paths of love. John 13, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Love one another. And verse 35 says that this is how we will know if we are disciples of Christ. If we love one another. Love one another. Because of our love for one another, that we would then be willing to make sacrifices. To not stand boldly in our ways and unforgiving and not um, allowing others to make progress um, for the sake of peace. Be willing to sacrifice. Verse 4, peace does not come easy, so prepare for a long journey. Who can tell me when you're in a situation where there is no peace to be had, where are you going to find peace? Where is it always right underneath your nose? 
Or sometimes will you have to travel a long way with someone to find peace, to go over hurdles to find peace. 1 Peter 3, verse 11 says, He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace because you don't know where you're going to find it. It could be near or it could be far. And if it's far, then we need to pursue it. We need to hunt for it and to go after it because anything less than peace is less than being a son of God. We need peace. Verse 5, though there may be a long journey, we need to take a step toward peace. Just take one step toward peace. What would a single act of kindness do to a, a, a situation which finds you in enmity with your brother or strife between you and your brother? What would a single act of kindness do to ease the tension in that quarrel? In Romans chapter 12, verses 20 through 21, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do something good. Do something good. Take a step toward peace. Number six. Practice restraint. Practice restraint, especially with the tongue. When you find yourself in a quarrel, practice restraint. The proverb, chapter 15, verse 1, says a gentle answer. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Is anger peace? No, anger is not peace. The passage that we're about to discuss comes from James, the first chapter. James, throughout all five chapters of his book, actually discuss issues about the tongue. In this passage, um, I chose to use this particular one because everyone is so familiar with it. Um, we've used it in situations that are similar to this topic um, before. However, I want you to keep in mind that in James 1.19, James is actually talking about when you're discussing something in the matters of the Word of God. Okay, this is, James is not simply saying, in general, uh, always go about a discussion in this way. He is specifically talking about the Word of God. And when you're having a discussion with someone regarding that matter. James, can, James says in one verses, chapter 1, verse 19, Let everyone... Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Quick to hear. Quick to hear allows you to hear what the other person has to say. How can you be a peacemaker if you don't know why the other person is not at peace? Where are they lacking peace in their life? If you never dedicate the time to hear what they have to say and to listen to them, can you properly identify how to show them peace and give them peace in their life? A good peacemaker will be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Slow to anger. When we have quarrels, 
with our family, friends, loved ones, are we slow to anger or do we jump straight into being angry? We need to be slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And you can see why James was lending himself toward discussing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God with someone. Because if you get angry while you're discussing the word of God with them, you're not showing patience toward them, and you're not showing what a good Christian should be, because you're not being slow to anger, but you're also not teaching them how to become righteous. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Helping someone regain peace with God, we must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Don't unleash everything that you have against someone all at one time. And what I mean by that is what if God unleashed every wrongdoing that we've committed against him all at once? What if God unleashed every sin that we've ever committed against him, every time we've ever wronged God, if he unleashed all of that at once? Would, would you or I be able to recover? Would we ever make progress towards peace? No. We must practice restraint. Number seven, we must aim at humility, not humiliation. Our goal should not be to win an argument. It should be to regain peace. Our goal should always be to regain peace. Aim at humility, not humiliation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This passage is speaking of Jesus, who had a heavenly home, but yet because of the sin of man, because Trail White needed a Savior. Consider for a moment that I was the only sinner on the face of of the planet. True humility is exactly what Christ would do in that situation. Even for me, just one person, Christ would still have left his home in heaven to take on flesh, to clothe his spirit with a body, human flesh, taking on flesh to come to this earth, to become obedient making himself a bondservant and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. True humility. Because Jesus counted not his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself to the point of becoming a bondservant. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I'll just be reading a, a portion of this uh, verse. But it says, Walk. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Consider this for a moment. When someone has wronged you, what is it that you want from them? They have sinned against you. So what is it that you want from them in return? Do you want revenge? Do you want to watch them squirm? 
Do you want to make them pay for what they did? Or do you want vindication? Maybe you just want to get them down and to make them cry uncle. To make them say, admit that I was wrong. And you want to inflict that type of torture to them. Vindication. Or do you want peace? Do you just want peace with your brother to restore your harmonious friendship? Friendship. What do you want from the situation? 1 Peter 4 verse 8. If you want peace, then love covers a multitude of sins. Love your brethren. Peace by loving those who have sinned against you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Allow love to paint over the sins that they've committed to you. Number eight, a peacemaker must trust the injustice that you suffer to God. Give it to God. 1 Peter 2, 19 through 25. While being reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Christ did not return evil for evil. He did not try to get the last word to those who were crying against him. He didn't try to win the battle, but rather he turned it over to God. A peacemaker will give the troubles and wrongs suffered by others to God. Because a peacemaker understands that only God in the last day can be a proper judge over situations. It's not, we are not fully capable as God is to judge right from wrong and to know whether or not someone's intentions were evil or not. Quarrels could very quickly subside and we could regain peace if we'd simply give our troubles to God. Number nine, very simply, pray for peace. Pray for peace. Psalms 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the psalmist writes. Pray for peace with your God. Pray for peace for yourself, that you will have peace within yourself. Pray for peace in your household. Pray for peace within God's household within the church here, the congregation here at Pippin, or the church world about. Pray for peace. Pray for peace with your enemies. Pray for peace for others. Number 10. Share the gospel of peace. In Ephesians chapter 6, we find the armor of God. Uh, The armor can be either offensive or defensive. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Just go ahead and get it on out. The armor of God can be made for the offensive or the defensive, and we can see that because uh, the helmet of righteousness, the breastplate, those are defensive things to help take on an attack. The sword of the Spirit, however, offensive. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 says, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel... Of peace. When you go into battle, go into that fight with the gospel of peace. That peace would come out of it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. We're told that Jesus actually.
preached peace. And, and Paul tells us this as he, he writes, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. Preached, he, Jesus preached peace to those who were far away, and peace to those who were near. We should take the same message of peace to everyone that we know. If you would please turn with me to Psalms chapter 85. Psalms chapter 85. We'll be reading verses 8 through 13. Psalms chapter 85. Verse 8 begins by saying, I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace peace have kissed each other. Truth springs from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before him, and he will make his footsteps into a way. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. James chapter 3, verse 18. It's on the slide behind me. It says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Consider an example. This passage is speaking of cultivating something. And so let's just take me as a cattle farmer. Very interested in grass to grow without weeds. But how can we separate the weeds from the good grasses that we want? Many men spray fertilizers to kill weeds or dig the weeds up, take a shovel to them. Let's consider for a moment that weed equals strife or a a quarrel, something that we do not desire in life. Fruit of righteousness is whatever crop we're wanting to yield. For our sake, let's just say it's grass. And peace, let that be the soil, the topsoil. Sharing the gospel is preparing soil. You can't simply try to just uproot the weed to give someone peace. No, you have to cultivate the soil. As a cattleman, if I want grass, I do not need to go uproot the weeds. But rather, if you replace everything in that verse, it would then say, and the fruit of grass, if you will, is sown in topsoil of them that make topsoil. We need to be making soil. We need to be making peace so that we can bear the fruit of righteousness. As the Christian, if I want righteousness to bear fruit, we don't need to remove the strife, but we need to make peace with God and with man. Make peace. Share the gospel of peace. And number 11 is cherish peace wherever you find it. Wherever you find peace, cherish it. Ephesians 4.3 
preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Once you have peace with your brother, cherish it. And don't do anything that would cause division or strife. Continue to maintain unity. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Cherish peace wherever you find it, and be thankful. When you find peace, cherish it. And number 12, find peace in Christ Jesus. The color on the screen is slightly off. But find peace in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 9, chapter 6, in speaking of Jesus as the Son in that passage, that Son is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 19, in summary, For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. He established peace. In verse 19, Paul writes that, we were no longer strangers of aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. The bond of peace can only be found in Christ Jesus. You won't find peace anywhere else. This goes back to the very first opening slide for a peacemaker. To be at peace within himself and with God. You can only find peace in Christ Jesus. Take the message of the gospel of peace. Because of the, the bond of peace that we find in Christ Jesus, we're brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So are you a son of God? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a son of God? If you haven't obeyed Christ, if you haven't confessed Jesus to be Lord of all, to be the Son of God, to be the Savior of mankind who can take away your sins. If you believe that, confess His name. Repent of your sins. Turn away from the wrongdoing that you have caused and the division that you continue to set between yourself and God. And be washed in the watery grave of baptism. If you haven't done these things, then you're not a Son of God. You cannot be a peacemaker because you have no hope of peace within yourself or with God. For blessed are the peacemakers. God approved are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. Psalms 28 verse 11 says, The Lord will give strength to His people. He'll give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. But there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, verse 21. This evening, become a Christian today. Be reconciled to the God of peace and be a peacemaker.
If you're not a son of God, this very evening you can begin the journey, begin the walk, come to agreement with God and restore peace, be reconciled to Him as together we stand and as we sing.